Great show today with Catherine Cozen, the Managing Director of Property and Casualty Oswald. She's also a director of the company. Catherine has a huge passion around DE&I and has some great stories and examples to share about the impact that their Women's Leadership Council has had on driving change in women's leadership at the company. So if you want to learn about that and some of the other stories from Catherine and her journey to be a leader in the insurance industry, stick around and enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Enlightened Agent, a podcast that brings you conversations with top insurance professionals and industry leaders. My name is Jason Keck, and I'm joined today by Catherine Curzon, the Managing Director of Property and Casualty uh, and a director at Oswald. Catherine, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jason. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. And it's been a pleasure getting to know you over the past couple of weeks, you know, through our conversations with the teams and and kind of preparing for the show. I've really appreciated hearing your story and wondering if you might just give everybody a quick intro to who you are, what you do, and tell us a little bit about you. Sure. As you mentioned, I'm the managing director of property and casualty at Oswald. And what that means is essentially I run the business unit of property and casualty. So growth, operations, you know, strategic planning, things like that kind of all rolled up under me. So at the moment, I'm leading our Michigan market. We'll be replacing me at some point in the future, but that just kind of takes all those things and brings them down to a specific market segment. Cool. So where uh, outside of Michigan, where do you guys operate as a business? Right now, we have offices throughout the state of Ohio and Michigan under the Oswald brand. And then we have a sister company called RCM&D that are in the mid-Atlantic states. Cool. And how many how many uh, how many people in your little mini empire over there in property and casualty? I think we're up to 148 to be wow. exact at last count, and we've got a couple open positions that we're filling. And I think one of the exciting things for me, one of the silver linings from COVID, is we're looking beyond the state of Ohio and Michigan to hire folks. Okay. We just opened an office in Pittsburgh, so we've got employees in Denver now, and some in Connecticut, a couple in Florida. So it's really just given us an opportunity to kind of tear down those geographical walls that that we were really bound by before and find talent where where it where it is. Yep, hundred so, percent. Yeah, yeah, we're in the same we're in the same boat. It's been it's definitely um, made recruiting and hiring more interesting and more more fun and kind of not easier to find people, but you know you're able to access people in places that you hadn't even thought about before. So right. um, that's pretty cool. Well, yeah. uh, if anybody anybody out there's looking for their next the next stop on their journey and and you like what you hear today uh, don't be afraid to get in touch sounds like there's, there's some good opportunities yeah. um, cool well look I think also part of our initial conversation I was you know the, the re- original reason I reached out to you is because obviously your role as a female leader one of the top agencies in the country you know I wanted to hear a little bit about you know what it's been like for you as a woman in leadership and insurance right just given that the focus in the industry around diversity. And I was frankly just caught off guard by how passionate you were about this as a topic and maybe pleasantly surprised to hear how important it is for you. But I, I guess I'd, I'd love if you could maybe share that same story with our audience about you know where that passion came from. Sure. Happy to do so. I think, you know, intuitively, and we we talk about this internally with the folks that are part of the DEI Alliance, I obviously don't look like someone who, I mean, a white woman, what what on earth could I possibly bring to the table from a DEI perspective? But I think if you take a, a, a step back and look back to, you know, even just 10 years ago, 
a woman in leadership in the insurance industry, the, the stepping stone for DE&I. Um, I right. think you you and I have talked about, there's um, an insurance periodical that had a cover on it, stale, pale, and mail, right? That was the insurance industry. And I realize there's others, banking and others. And, and again, that's nothing against the stale, pale, and mail group. But I think when you look back to just kind of the infancy for Oswald, we looked around the room and said, yeah, you know, 80% of the service personnel were female, but something like 16% were in leadership roles. But that's horrible, right? Yep. And so we started a women's leadership council. We added a female member to our board, which was the first time in our history, 120, you know, nine-year-old firm. And, and it was just in the last 15 years that we had a female on our board. And so I think just being part of that movement, being a founding member member of the Women's Leadership Council, being given permission, if you will, to have that seat at the table, really opened my eyes to, you know, all the other groups that don't have the seat at the table. And as I kind of moved up in the organization and had that voice, I felt it was my responsibility to use that voice for those groups that didn't have the seat at the table yet and to find ways to help them get their seat at the table. So that's, that's kind of where that all kind of comes from. Yeah. I wonder what, um, I'm curious about your, your early career, right? I mean, obviously you, you, you clearly were successful in getting to uh, where you are now and being invited to be, you know, on the leadership team there and a director. Uh, what was it like for you, you know, in the early days the early as a days. woman in the industry? Yeah. That's a really great question. I think my parents would probably tell you that I was a, a shy and quiet kid and I I probably would go along with that, right? And so in my 20s, I don't know that I really used my voice in the way that I could. You know, I was the one in the room kind of taking it all in, but I I'm a logic-based thinker and so I liked to tinker and solve problems and all those things and so as that continued to grow in me, then, you know, and I don't know, there's women who talk about this and you turn 30 and all of a sudden you find your voice. <laughs> and so all these problems that I love to solve and all these things I like tinker with privately, I started to speak about and, and that just led, you know, and not in a disrespectful way. I think you can have passion and you can convey a mission and use your voice in a way that people will hear you. And then you can also use that passion and use your voice in a way that people will shut down and they won't listen to you. And so I think for me, the lesson that I learned very early on is there's a way to approach the situation. Some people might call it manipulative, but there's a way to approach the situation. You size up who it is that you're speaking to. You try to put yourself in their shoes and then you communicate with them in a way that they'll receive it. If you try to do it the way that you want to receive it, sometimes they won't hear you. And so I think I just got really good at that, Jason, and just kind of understanding what people needed in yeah. order to get to the answer I was hoping they would get to. It was more work, hands down, yeah. more work. But I think the rewards were worth it. You know, the the results so, that, you know, that's, um, it's interesting to hear the, that you were a shy person to start. Right. And then, and now you are where you are. I'm imagining you sitting back and like scheming. You're like, all right, I'm taking notes, making all you have, you guys have no idea what's coming, but like, just wait till I turn 30. Right. And then yeah. all of a sudden it's like, oh, it, it's you know. so, it's so funny. You know, I don't know that I even recognize that about myself. And I just came to this realization. It was about a year ago now, our women's leadership council asked me to do a talk on personal brand. 
And so I, in reflecting on it, I was like, gosh, like, this is the journey that I've taken. And it was a surprise even to me when I was standing up in front of her. I'm like, would any of you believe, because a lot of folks that at Oswald, you know, have been there a long time because we're employee owned. So people have tendencies to stick around. And, um, and I'm like, would any of you believe that I was shy? No, <laughs> but I want, when I had to reflect on, on getting prepared for that talk, I was just like, wow, yep. it's, um, it's different. Yeah, so. It's a powerful opportunity to, right. and, 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 and a good opportunity to sit back and be like, wow, look at, you know, now that you're past it to be able to look back and, and right. see that journey for what it's worth. I remember when I was 29, having a call with my aunt who sort of, and I was having this sort of coming of age journey in Europe and, uh, she pointed me to what is it like the, the the return of Saturn? It's an astrological moment in your life when when apparently things like things change for a lot of people at that age. And I don't wow. know if it's just a twenty nine years in life or if it's a you know you've been out of college for seven years and you've got enough time to enough perspective to to make some of your own choices or what. But um, right. I think that's a powerful time for a lot of people to say like, yeah. okay, right, like I'm I'm done taking a backseat. I've learned a lot and. Yeah. And create my life's in my own hands. So, so right. I take it and run with it. So yeah. good for good for you. Thanks. The becoming a woman leader in this industry is is no small feat. So I guess I'm curious to hear more about how you ended up kind of going from being obviously part of Oswald and kind of a, a contributor on the team and, and obviously a successful one into this leadership role. I think you told me a pretty interesting story about how that all came to fruition. I'd love you to share that as well. Yeah, appreciate the question. And I've been with Oswald for 16 years. When I originally came in, I was just in that individual contributor role. I had done some things at my prior organization, which kind of pulled me into Oswald, but I didn't come into it in a leadership role. And um, and over time, I I was that utility player where you know the my predecessor would plug me in where needed. As we grew, eventually, like the majority of the people were reporting to me. I was managing the financials, things like that. And uh, we came to this point where he was exiting out of the organization. And I happened to be on maternity leave when this all kind of happened with my third child, who was born 15 months apart from my second child. So really I had two babies at home. Um, And the CEO and the president at the time called me and said, look, you know, so-and-so's leaving. We're at this point where we really would like you to lead the market, but we didn't think it was fair to ask you. And we weren't going to ask you because you're on maternity leave. And how the hell are you going to juggle babies and leading and all that? And our female board member, Jan Tomlinson, at the time told them that it wasn't their decision, that they had to ask me. And it was up to me to decide if I was in a place in my life where I could manage it all. And so they called and again, baby in one arm, baby in the other arm. And I I said, I absolutely want this job, but I need your commitment that it's okay that it'll look different. And they said, yes, immediately. And I said, no, we're going to talk about what different looks, what what I mean when I say, you know, that it's going to look different. You know, I wanted my children to feel the presence of their mother. I have two girls. I think it's incredibly important to teach them about choices, right? I'm not saying that they have to have a career. They could be stay-at-home moms, but that they have the choice to do so based on whatever fuels their passions. I feel like that's, it's not just an opportunity for me to do that for my own girls, but for my nieces and, you know, what have you. And quite frankly, to try to model for other women within the organization that are grappling with the same 
choices, right? They might want to be a team leader. They want to take on a disciplinary responsibility, but they have a child at home. How do they do that? It's not for everyone. But I think just that moment when the boys weren't going to ask me because I I had a baby, right? Would that have ever crossed their mind if it was a guy whose wife had just had a baby? No, right? Of course not. And if it weren't for Jan, if if it weren't for Jan telling them that's not your decision, that's her decision, probably wouldn't be in the role I'm in today. So I'm so grateful to her for that. Yeah, I mean, that example, I think really underscores the importance of diversity, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to get specific on that, right? Because we've we've been talking about over the course of the show, the difference between diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's not one thing, it's three distinct things. Diversity is, in a lot of ways, statistical, right? Do you have any women do you have? How many men do you have? How many people of color do you have, et cetera? Equity is around, you know, how much opportunity are they all getting? And then inclusion is, you know, are they all feeling welcome, right? And so in that example, the fact that they had chosen to put a woman on the board, which I'm sure that's not the majority, right? But the fact that they even have one on the board opened the door for the possibility for you to become a leader, which is actually good for the company because you're really good at Uh it. Could you imagine if they ended up not asking you? Like it would have been worse for the company. So this idea, you know, I think one of the things that I... I hope will come through in the show is that I think there's a perspective that when you start to try to be more diverse, that you're, you're risking quality for some reason, right? Cause right. there's this history of like white male leaders. Right. And so, okay, if we bring in a person or a color of woman, like we have to accept that they're not going to be as good. Right. But like, what, like what, what? I, I don't know why that exists, but there's this, I don't know if it's an unconscious bias that exists among white male leaders Probably, right? Right. Because it's like, well, that's the way it's been. So, you know, I guess there's a perspective that it's different. Well, yeah, it's different, but maybe it's Well, and I think too, it depends on their background and their upbringing. If the woman's place has always been in the home or has been in a traditional, you know, role of teacher or nurse or, right, their unconscious bias exists because that's all they know. And I think... Really, what I've tried to do is just dispel that. So, you know, yeah, I'm a mom. And yes, sometimes I'm going to have a child in tow, or sometimes I'm going to miss a meeting because somebody's throwing up and I got to take him to the doctor. (laughs) That shouldn't be any different for me because I'm a mom than it is for you as a dad, right? So, and especially in a world where like we're talking about knowledge workers, not mm -hmm. physical, right? So, like if you're being valued for your knowledge and your experience, right? Like having to take your kid to the doctor is not going to materially impact your job, right? No, exactly. you're a physical laborer and like you have to, you know, cut out two of your eight hours a day, that's a different conversation, right? And Totally. And that if you can't physically be there or do the work, but, you know, arguably in a leadership position, you're there because of your experience, you're there because of your critical thinking skills and your ability to influence people, not because you're there you know, you're working 16 hour days and you're more productive, quote unquote. Right. I was just going to say that. I mean, with the advent of the mobile device, it doesn't matter where I am. I can right. still affect change, answer questions, drive relationships. Yep. Yeah. I that's don't have to physically so that, be sitting in an office to do such. Yeah. I wonder if the, the increase in, well, first of all, the introduction of mobile phones, second of all, the the, the increase in hybrid and remote working, mm-hmm. if that will actually accelerate the ability for for women to become leaders because they they may have these additional sort of family responsibilities right. and it'd be great I, I, we would be and be welcome it would be, it would yeah. be welcome right yeah. that's incredible I love 
I love hearing that story. I'm glad to hear that you had a sponsor on the board that could that could support you there. And I'm glad that the board, you know, your leadership team was, I, I hesitate to say progressive enough, but it, it probably was a pretty progressive move for them to, to do, you know, I wish it wasn't, I wish it wasn't a progressive thing to say, but. Totally you know. agree. But I congratulate them on their bravery. They did yeah. something outside of everything they knew by, yeah. by doing that. And I'll be honest, I guarantee I was on like the leaderboard, you know, for people who bet and I don't bet. So I'm not going to say this the correct way, but the over under on whether I was going to succeed with two babies, like it was a flyer they were taking. I totally know that. I think if you were to ask either one of them today, if if it was a success, they would say hands down. So yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that story. I'm interested to hear, I guess, in, in light of that and in light of, I guess, your your responsibilities in the company and just the company in general. How are you guys as an organization thinking about DEI? What are you doing internally? What are the how is it being addressed, I guess? And and yeah. what are some things you have planned? So I would say it has been embedding DEI and everything we do has been part of our strategic plan. That's the the tagline for four plus years now. We've had some fits and starts. We hired a consultant to come in and train our people. And that worked a little bit, but it turns out that, you know, training our people to be DEI leaders within an organization when that's not their background, um, yep. it might be their passion. Again, it had fits and starts. So some cohorts had really excellent experience and others were only as good as the group that that was put together. We've had ERGs within our organization. The Women's Leadership Council has been around, I think, seven or eight years now. We have a young professionals ERG group. We recently, so again, sitting around the room, there's, you know, the executive team is sitting together. We're talking about DEI. It's part of our strategic plan. We had a moment instead of a movement. What are we going to do? They asked for people in the room to say, who's going to lead this? And, you know, looking around the room, I raised my hand and I said, well, I'll do it. And again, as we talked about earlier, like, what the hell do you know about DEI? And I, I don't know, right? But but I'm willing to acknowledge that I don't know. What I will tell you is that I have a passion around it. I have a voice. I want to see it move forward. So I became the senior, one of the two senior sponsors for DEI within the Strat Plan. We formed an alliance. We're launching our Pride ERG. It's um, the charter's been formed. We've got leadership lined up. That's going to be coming in the next, I think, 45 days. I think it's officially launching on coming out day. We have a BIPOC in in motion right now. It needs a leader, but it's got its charter formed and kind of all of that. We just had our summer interns actually present yesterday to the executive team. They did a project. One of the great things about being headquartered in Cleveland is there's an organization called the Greater Cleveland Partnership. It's kind of their chamber of commerce for the okay. Cleveland area. They have a wonderful survey around DEI. And that was the first step that we did about a year ago because yep. we know who we are. Right. And this survey allowed us to see all these different sections. I mean, just down simply to tracking your suppliers. Do you have a formal process about how you select suppliers? Do you look for a certain percentage of diversity? You know, stuff like that. There were things that we were doing, but we couldn't really measure it. And so it doesn't count in our opinion. And so we started with that. The the interns took it. They suggested to us that the next two ERGs we consider is a generational one. We now have six generations in the workforce within our organization. And not for each of them to have their own ERG, but one where they come together, where there's a genuine interest in getting to know one another and and different styles. 
And then the other one they suggested was disabilities. And I think one of the most enlightening things around that is there are a number of disabilities that you can't see. I may not be in a wheelchair and may not need, you know, a cane to help me walk, but I may be suffering with mental illness. I may be suffering. I may be on the spectrum in some way, you know, there, there are things that you can't see. And so to have a support group for the organization for those who want to join again, it's all voluntary. So that was some stuff that came out from our interns and we're, we're on the verge of putting together our next three-year strap plan and some of the things that we're, we're talking about in that DE&I space is the additional ERG groups, you know, continuing to do that survey that the Greater Cleveland Partnership does so that we can, we're putting a vendor program in place so we can understand that. And then we have an MBE that we are, we have some ownership in and really finding ways to better support Taylor Oswald, which is a black owned business that, that Oswald has ownership in. Something we did years ago because we wanted to help Eddie Taylor who runs that form an agency because minority owned agencies are really hard to come by. And, and that's another level of commitment to community for us. So just that's, that's another agenda item. How can we help Eddie grow even more than he has so far? The list you just rattled off is is extraordinary, (laughs) right? Let me just be clear. And I think probably what makes it so special is that it feels like it's to your point, a movement, not a moment. I think that was yeah. the term you use, right? Like it, yeah. it feels like this is being materially integrated into the organization. Yeah. Because to your point, you can't just come in. Like I took a, I took a DEI course through our, you know, HR provider, and I was like, here was a snoozer, right? And just like, right. I thought I was going to learn something, and I probably got one thing out of it, and it had no material impact. But when you engage the people, and right. and you you make them either through ERGs or as owners of, of the journey, like you really, that's where the, that's where the change happens. We um, formed a thing we call the Alliance. So there's, and we just put it out and said, anyone who has a passion around DEI, and I come, come to this meeting with us because we wanted to be grassroots. There's, we have to have some guardrails from our executive team on, on who we want to be and, and, that, but we want the employees to drive what that looks like. And we have 25 ish people who have a ton of passion around this in the Alliance. And they're the ones that are saying, all right, we should form this ERG group. We should do this. We should do that. And it's up to people like me as the executive sponsor to say, okay, here's the money to go execute on these things. You know, here's how I'm going to support, you know, what message do we need to get out? What connections can you have in the community where we're looking at our clients and saying, okay, how can we band together and and do this as one? We're looking at some of the vendors, some of our carrier partners. And really, because I think there's power in numbers and, and, Jason, you think about it's no, we're not a we're not a, a global broker. We're a global broker in that we have a global footprint, but we're 400 employees strong. So it's not like we have a you know an HR department of 100 people who can set up all these things. This is really coming from the employees from within, and that's what I think is is so exciting and energizing, and um, it really that, kind that, of pushes that, us forward. I think it's the only way, right? Because top down yeah. for this stuff doesn't work. No. Um, well, it's just ticking you, a box. Right. That's right. And I have to tell you that asking people if they have a passion about diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's like, who doesn't, right? Like, who doesn't right. care about people? So I think right. that's an awesome, right? Like, hey, right. who wants to be a part of creating the fabric of how we operate as a right. business? Right. 
I mean, you right. should get you should get at least fifty percent of your employees yeah. into that, right? Yeah, I mean, totally. The, one, the ones who are not either just joined or they're like way overwhelmed and they're just like, right. look, I'm, I got too much work to do right now. But like, yeah. if you if you have any care about your company and you you feel like you belong there and you care about it and you want to be there a long time, like that's a great way to get opt in. So yeah, yeah, I love that idea. I think the assessment strategy, like you said, you guys took a survey. Mm-hmm. Makes a ton of sense. We're just doing that now, right? So yeah. our next survey is asking the team to help us define what culture means, right? Yeah. So what is culture, right? Mm-hmm. And we have some things that we think are part of it, but maybe there's some things that we haven't heard about yet. So right, right. We, we're going to get that. And then also, how are we doing, right? I might think we're doing a good job of being inclusive, but if if the survey comes back and says no, right, you got, you got to know. So right. Right. Um, I think the the peril we have right now is we ask, we send out too many surveys, right? And so people have this <laughs> fatigue, they're not going to respond, but we've tried to find ways to whittle them down because, yep. you know, especially in the insurance, we're data junkies. We want all the points that we can, right? As we manage risk and we build programs. And, and so naturally we want to do the same as we look internally at ourselves. We want all these data points and there's a little bit of fatigue around it, but I think they're starting to see what we're doing with the information we get. And that's that's enlightening to say, okay, it is worth it to complete that survey. Yeah, you could definitely get fatigue from surveys, but I, I do agree that, first of all, you're sending the message that it matters, mm-hmm. right? So even totally. if they're not filling them out, you're telling them this matters. And that's, yeah. that's probably comforting, right? Yeah. And if you're also acting on it, then then even better. So. Right. Right. You know, it's interesting when you said you, the board asked for who, who wants to lead on this and you raised your hand. I'm curious, I'm curious who the other person was and more from a perspective of, was it a white male? Was it a person of color? It was uh, a white, was it a white, a white woman. It's a white woman. Interesting. Because this is something, I don't know when I, when I think about guests for the show, my initial thought was let's bring on women leaders and people of color who have like real perspective on this. Right. And then I started, and a lot of, frankly, a lot of my early guests on the show, initial guests have been uh, female leaders and people of color, but I think I'm going to be switching towards white male leaders going mm-hmm. forward, not going forward, not entirely, but yeah. like, I want to know, because in reality, those are the people who are probably in leadership roles and can make a difference. And yeah. I want to hear what they're actually doing. We right. can't leave them out. Right. And I think <laughs> that we've even had this conversation for the Women's Leadership Council. It was started, you know, seven or eight years ago, and it, it's exclusively just women within the organization right. that are in leadership roles or will be based on a career path. And what we've been talking about lately is we've got to invite the boys because if they're not sitting at the table hearing and understanding what the issues are, how on earth are we going to expect to change their hearts? Yeah. Yeah. So finding out how to, Right. Finding how to integrate all yeah. of the you know men, women, and people of color into the same conversation, I think, totally is, is crucial. So, so, so I mean, good that you're a liaison from that team to the board, but also, yeah, yeah. Uh, you got to find a way to get one of the the other white men on the team. So, agree. Um, now, in the alliance, we have a number of them, which is great. They just didn't happen to be at the leadership table, right? Yeah. So, so it's good. Yeah, I'm good. Cool. Well, look, enlight- you've actually used the word enlightenment a couple of times on the show. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling very special and I think we're, we're connecting on something here. <laughs> um, yeah. But enlightenment is defined as the state of having knowledge or understanding. And so in an effort to enlighten our audience, I'm curious if there are some stories that you can share 
about DEI initiatives that you've seen that have worked, right? Like, what are the things that you're like, hey, we did this, and you know, we know it worked because of this. Is, is there anything like that? That yeah, I mean, you know, the easy layup is the Women's Leadership Council. It's been around for seven or eight years. It's mature. We can show you statistically in the data that how the numbers changed for women leaders within the organization from when we started, just by elevating that, by having communication, formal mentoring programs, it's really evolved. And I think for us, we're using it as the baseline for our new ERGs because we're sitting here saying it shouldn't have to take seven years for it to get mature. So let's take these lessons that we learned and apply them now to our pride and our BIPOC groups and allow them to really accelerate. And they, they don't have to spend three years writing a charter, which is what we did for the Women's Leadership Council and tweaking it and doing all this stuff. We already have this. Let's just put it and let them move on to those meteor issues and, and be able to accelerate. So I think for us, you know, we have the empirical data to show women, there are more women in leader leadership roles today at Oswald Companies than ever in our history. And we're not done. And that's amazing. Now, what we would like to try to do is have them be diverse women. That's an item. And I think, you know, one of the challenges we have in the insurance industry is we have a hard time attracting diverse talent when you're not in a major city like San Francisco, New York, Chicago, mm, right? London. Right. When you're in the heart of the Midwest, we're not... I didn't go to school to be an insurance agent. I have a degree in psychology. I thought I was going to, you know, therapize children across the country and help them be, you know, well-adjusted individuals. And then I fell into insurance <laughs> backwards. And I'm one of, you know, 80% of the stories out there. We do have colleges and universities churning out risk degrees today. And so I think it's starting there and figuring out how we attract more diverse candidates to those programs. It's approaching um, how we recruit on college campuses and, and figuring out ways to infiltrate. And then for those career changers that are out there, and there's a lot of them right now. I think yep. that's another COVID silver lining. We're getting access to a whole group of people that we probably would have never talked to before because of the traditional way that we did things. Yeah, like that. The um, I think trying to figure out what success looks like is really hard here, right? Because, yeah. you know, like you said, I wonder what the I don't know. Do you have stats on what your community, like what the diversity and and gender, like the the racial and gender stats are in your communities? Because it's yes. almost like, what are you aiming for? Are you trying to be on par with that as a community right. for the region, right. for the country? Right. Because to your point, cities, you know, cities are going to be more diverse, and mm -hmm. you're going to have a lot of, you know, trying to trying to get to parity with the diversity of those cities is going to be harder. But as a region, you know, maybe it's different. So I think figuring right. out what success looks like and what your goals are is important because then as with any effort, like you don't want to feel frustrated when actually maybe you're doing a great job, right? right. So maybe, right. maybe you guys are- Right, are, yeah. Right? Comparing ourselves to the jumbos when the reality is they have a disparate city access that we just don't have right now. And again, a COVID silver lining is that we're hiring in places where we don't have offices anymore. So that's really allowing us this opportunity to tap into talent. But to, I think to answer your question about enlightenment, I think for us- and, and the message we would give to others who are interested in, in listening, it's about keeping it top of conversation. It is something we talk about at every leadership meeting. And that's monthly, sometimes more depending on the breakout sessions from there. It's in our strategic plan. And it's not something that's just a box to check. It is fundamentally woven into the core of who we are and where we want to be. 
And I think that is what's helping that grassroots efforts because they see it, they've heard it, it's repeated by the leaders in the organization, you know, that just gives them that extra oomph they need to continue to bring their passions forward and want to drive. Love to hear that. Love that it's getting the attention it needs. I have my board meeting this week and we haven't had culture DEI as a topic yet. And I'm trying to figure out how the right way to start bringing it into the conversation. So yeah, yeah. it's definitely going to be a slide in this meeting's deck. Uh, I mean, interesting to see how much conversation it gets, right? In and amongst the other things that we're talking about. So, well, it is- impacts your business. If you're in a customer service role and you and I both are, are that, right? I mean, we can put all kinds of fancy words around the things that we do, but fundamentally, we are in professional roles to serve customers. And when your workforce doesn't look like your customers. Yep. Yeah. We're recruiting right now. And that's a, that's a common thread is like, you know, we're just hiring people who look and sound like us, or are we looking for some diversity here? Right. 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 I can already feel it factoring into decisions. My team comes to me and say, this person is different. We don't have anybody who looks like him in our company like that. You know, when we're deciding between two people with similar skill sets, right. This, right. This person's winning out and and knock on wood, he'll get an offer this week. And yeah. um, that's exciting. Yeah. It is yeah. super exciting. Catherine, this has been uh, an enlightening conversation. I'll use the word as often as I as I can. I've really enjoyed having you on the show and I've enjoyed the conversation. Before wrapping up, anything else you'd like to share with anybody listening? Well, Jason, I just want to tell you how grateful I am that you even tapped me on the shoulder for this. I mean, we started our relationship for a very different reason. And then as we got to know each other, it evolved into this, right? And so I think the fact that you're even doing this is huge. And and not that you need words of encouragement, but but, but keep keep fighting on because it's important. Thank you. Yeah. So thank been, you for including me. My pleasure. And to your point, it was just about keeping that conversation going, right? That was the yeah. inspiration for this series was, hey, what can we do? You know, we had the conversation in the company last year and the conversation, you know, it, it died down a little bit at the end of the year and beginning of this year. My thought was, how do I restart the conversation? And the answer was, well, why don't we talk about it with people outside of the company? And the impact for me is that it, by talking about it every week inherently becomes part of my everyday thoughts and every week thoughts. And it just, it's getting embedded into the company. And, you know, we, we have a biweekly company meeting and culture is the topic of that. And, you know, we talk about the things I learned on the podcast and things we can do to improve inclusion and diversity. And, you know, we're doing a website redesign. We're going to have a whole section, you know, dedicated to, you know, what it's like to work here and be here and including, you know, our, our diversity stats and the things we do to make people feel included. So it's making an impact for us. And, you know, we're just going to keep the conversation going. So awesome. Thank you again. And I look forward to staying in touch, hopefully seeing you at an event sometime soon or otherwise just meeting up in person or just another Zoom call, whatever, whatever opportunity yeah. we get. So thank you, Jason. Look forward to it. Thanks. Alrighty.